What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We have a professional recap of the Virginia Pro, which was a very, very professional meet within the USAPL. The Virginia Pro lived up to the hype. It was fantastic, not only from a production and showmanship standpoint, but also the lifting was fantastic as well. We discuss our experiences at the meet. This is both Steve Denovi and I's favorite meet that we've ever attended, uh, best meet we've ever been to. And we talk about just our experiences as his standpoint, Steve's standpoint as a coach, what it was like coaching in this meet, for me competing at this meet. And we talk about what we saw, what we were impressed with. We, of course, talk about the meet as itself from a production standpoint and what we were impressed with, what maybe we would change. But it was an incredible meet. It really loved out to the hype. They throw one hell of a meet at the chop gym. So we open up the episode there. We talk about the meet itself, too. We, of course, recapped all the action, talk about the big storylines and performances. We start off with Natalie Richards, who arguably could be the best female lifter in the USAPL come 2022. And on dots, he is making one hell of a case, being one of the best female lifters in the world. Terrific breakthrough performance with her. Not to us, because her breakthrough performance is definitely at Carolina primetime. But we talk about her. We, we talk about Ray Williams, actually, I think, to start. There's so many storylines, I can't keep up with them. But, yeah, the return of Ray Williams, and I think – most people at that meet really were just watching his squat and they stopped everything to doing the watch. So me and Steve break that down as well. We talk about, of course, the cyborg action Roska. We talk about the battle of SSJ Bob and Brandon Petrie. We talk about the other massive performances that took place. Uh, things that stuck out to us, uh, Jake Amendola, David Wilson, Austin Perkins, Daniel Clemens, Jamar Royster and how Marcus Sadudu might be a battle for 90 kilo in the future. A lot of stuff in this episode, a lot of great things to talk about. Steve talks about my bench press, of course, which, you know, nothing else really happened to me at that meet, so that was appropriate. Um, terrific recap, tons of fun in this episode, lots of rants. Towards the end, we really talk uh, about our uh, just some ideas that we have for uh, meets like this going on in the future, especially within the USAPL, but through all powerlifting in general. So, a lot of stuff in this episode. A lot of fun recording this episode. Before we get into this episode, got to talk to you guys about Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some Leflar Bros apparel. Visit them on Instagram, follow them on Instagram, and check out the amazing merchandise they continuously drop. They are coming out with more stuff. The stuff that they currently have is fantastic. It's dope. It looks beautiful. A lot of people saw me in the Great Joggers at the Virginia Pro, and they just, they loved them. I mean, my girlfriend's a massive fan, of course, but the Great Joggers are a win. They are the best joggers in powerlifting. Also, the red tank top, the tie-dye shirts, the dad hats. Leflore Bros is the most underrated clothing brand in powerlifting. They are the Austin Perkins of 2019 of powerlifting and how underrated they are. Go on leftlarbros.com and get your ass some apparel. Use promo code 2WL15. That is not an overrated promo code. That is not an underrated promo code. That is just simply the best damn promo code in powerlifting. Use that promo code 2WL15. Save yourself some money on Left Bros merchandise. You will not be disappointed. You will look good in the gym. You look good outside the gym. You look good on the platform. Left Lord Bros has got you covered. And also, they sell two white lights merchandises there uh, as well on there. 
the best powerlifting podcast. Some may call us overrated. Some may call us underrated. I call us perfectly rated at the best powerlifting podcast, but definitely the best powerlifting podcasting or the best powerlifting podcast merchandise as well. The designs are getting better and better. We are we are giving Massonomics a run for their money. We're going to try and give Massonomics run for their money as far as the designs go. But CB is doing a great job with that. We have a lot to buy on LoveFlowerBros.com with Two White Lights. If you go to TwoWhiteLights.com, click that shop link. It'll bring you right to LeftLarBros.com, and you can buy both Bros merch and Two White Lights merch as well. Use that same promo code 2WL15 to save yourself some money. Also, make sure you are going to lift.net and get yourself some stoic gear. I wear stoic gear in the gym. I wear it on the platform. You all saw me wear it at the Virginia Pro, and the reason why it is the best, most quality gym equipment in powerlifting right now. And also, it's affordable. And it could be even more affordable if you use that promo code ANGELO10. The best singlet, the best knee sleeves, the best wrist wraps. Use that promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money on Stoic Gear. That is going to be found on lift.net. Also, make sure you're on NotoriousLift.com and get yourself some Notorious Lift no-slip grip slippers. They are the best deadlift slippers on the market right now, and they're great for performance, but God damn it, do you look good deadlifting in them as well. The colorways, the designs that they have that they drop each month, they are an instant win. They're an instant buy, and people instantly buy them. So you have to go on their newsletter, sign up for them so you get those drops. I'm telling you, they are going to sell out quick, and when you get on it, use that promo code to, or uh, and I'm Losing my mind here. And 15, that's ANG15, to save yourself some money on Notorious Lift No Slip Grip Slippers. They also re-release some of their most favorite or most coveted designs that people bought up really quick. So be on that newsletter. Use promo code ANG15 for any Notorious Lift Slip or Notorious Lift No Slip Grip Slippers. I'm losing it during these ad rates. Make sure you subscribe to Two White Lights on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we are available also on our website. When you're on Apple Podcasts, also leave a five-star rating, leave a review. Those mean a lot to us. And also, we thank you for everyone who reshared their Spotify top fives, their most listened to podcasts. We cannot thank you enough for the support. We got two white lights in 2021 has been huge. And we, with your help, are going to make it bigger in 2022 as well. So make sure you subscribe on all three of our platforms. And without further ado, here it is, two white Lights. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Oh, baby, I like it, boy. Yeah, baby, I like it, boy. Shimmy, shimmy, y'all, shimmy, yam, shimmy, yeah. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge, bone for yards. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. Who take the love, he's on the squad. And as promised, we have a very professional recap. Maybe the most professional? Yeah, because you're a professional powerlifter. I, I coach professional powerlifters. Like, this is a professional podcast. I feel only professionalism in this room. And if you were at the Virginia Pro over this past weekend, it was an experience, ladies and gentlemen. It was... It lived up to the hype. It was fantastic. 
It was everything I thought it'd be and then some. It was truly, I'm going to say the best meet I've ever attended. Now it's small amount. You know, I've been Nationals, Arnold. I've never done IPF Worlds. But this meet was something special. Yeah. I mean, when I was there, I kept wanting to say it was the best meet I was ever at. But I I kept kind of control that because in the moment, you're always going to be thinking this is the best because of recency bias. But coming back now after a couple days, I've never felt so hyped post-meet of coaching a meet or attending a meet as I was this one. Uh, And maybe partially that's because the meet was the best thing I've ever been to. Or maybe it's the fact that like the pro series needed to start off on the right foot Mm -hmm. to get momentum that this is going to be a a valid thing that can be a replacement for for world competition. Um, And after that meet... I, I literally have zero doubts that the pro series has so much more potential than world competition, in my opinion, and what it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is the feel of a professional organization. That's what I felt. I felt like I was a professional in this sense. I mean, just through my experiences alone as a lifter, the experience of getting that curtain open. Cause if you were watching the live stream, they had a red carpet for us to walk onto the platform and they had a camera right in front of our face. And right when that hit, I'm like, Whoa, this is, this is different. I hate to use the expression, but it hit different. Like it was such a different feeling for me as a competitor. I felt like I was a professional athlete. I am a professional athlete and they drove it home so perfectly. And then what I've heard from the home front from people watching the live stream, they're like, this is the best live stream I've ever seen. I checked the commentator's booth. The commentator's booth was so authentic to other sporting events like the UFC, like uh, professional football, like all of that where the commentating booth was overlooking the action where you saw it, where you were standing. They had a great view of everything. They had the cameras set up perfectly. The MC was also terrific. Like, that was another thing. You got to see yourself in these high-definition cameras on the massive jumbotrons that they had and the, uh, the, the screen board. It was – the lighting was perfect, too. They didn't do anything way too gaudy. Actually, you know, I will say one thing. The money – the raining money was a little, was a little much. But. Yeah, I could, I could have possibly done without that, but I, I can't, that, if that's the biggest, if that's the only complaint, I will take that. I will say though, if you save that graphic for Vegas, perfect. That was like a Vegas yeah. feel. The money falling is like, it's so ultra Vegas, but I mean, re- I mean, yeah, that, that's really the only thing you could look for is um, it was, it was kind of that, was kind of that graphic, but just, just to show, just the presentation of it was it was a chef's kiss. Beautiful. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for anything better and all the lifters felt it. And also competing with those uh, guys and girls was incredible. Like I got an appreciation for so many different lifters. I never thought I'd share the platform with and not in my entire powerlifting career. Even if I was the best powerlifter in the world, I didn't think I would ever share the platform with them. Yeah. To me, this meet was like the Arnold if the Arnold was just the best people doing one meet and the production level got upped even more because the one issue with the Arnold, it always usually has been one of the better production meets, but the issue is, is everyone's spread out in different meets here. We had everyone there. And then, like you said, like 
Uh, I have a video. Delaney Wallace posted on his story, actually, um, of me and my lifter, Lorenzo. He, he, Delaney was in the back of the audience. and It was me and him walking up. And it literally like gave me goosebumps. I keep watching it each day and gives me goosebumps. I sent it to my wife and she's like, that looks like you're doing an interest to an MMA fight because you can see Lorenzo's big face on the screen. You can see the strobe lights going everywhere. It was insane. I mean, even like simple things, like I don't know how many people watched it, but the preview show, an hour and a half preview show with interviews that I was on it. Did they interview you? I think they they did Marcellus. I don't think they interviewed you. Um, They did the pro Q and a, they did post meet interviews. Um, Like it was it, it was beyond anything I've seen in powerlifting. It was, it was everything we've asked for put together in a meet and executed to perfection. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fantastic. And we are very honest on the show. If we don't see, if we see something we don't like, we usually say it. And really just as far as the meet there itself, it was fantastic to compete there. I, I love the idea of the preview show. When I saw that happening, I'm like, yes, they got Solana up there who Solana is perfect for that role absolutely perfect for that role. I was like, yes, you got the right person there. She's a great commentator and also a great interviewer. Like, that's what you need up there. You just don't get a random famous powerlifter or a random person. You get someone who fits the need. And also, I I'm, I apologize, I forget his name. He Leo. was incredible. Leo actually has, I know him, I believe he has broadcasting experience. Perfect. And that's one of the reasons they had him. Because he was, I think he was the lead. Like, he was leading the direction. Because I think he's actually had broadcasting experience. And it showed because he was fantastic. Like, that that combination was incredible. Um, I think, I, I mean, I actually emailed, Saber asked me. He's like, hey, like, if you've got any feedback, I, I know it's probably going to be a great meet. Everyone's going to tell me it's a great meet. I want things that I need to do better. And, and probably the one thing that I think everyone came away saying, eh, could have been a little better. The walkouts were one of the coolest things ever, but they took too long. Mm-hmm. That was the one issue. Um, I emailed him. I did not know this. Apparently he knew that already because obviously he was the meat. They fixed it on Sunday. They changed how they do it. So they could still have walkouts to sped it up. And the meat was decreased by an hour and a half. So they already fixed it. They can have the walkouts and you can have your cookie at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I, and that was one thing I'm like, why is this meat going so long? And then, you know, at, you kind of explained it to me. Like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we did get to pick our third walkout songs. And by the way, anyone saying that they messed up my song choices, you can die. Because I definitely took the title in best walkout songs of the entire meet. I don't think they played yours because you chose the My Hero Academia theme song, didn't you? And it didn't play. What, did Austin do that? Did Austin play? I don't know. I didn't pay, I didn't pay yeah, attention to I was, the walkout I, songs. I, I, I got... Actually, you know what? The funny thing of this meet was just me getting pissed off at Austin the entire fucking day. <laughs> was <laughs> was warming up at Austin. Like, if you have a back, if you have a like a camera in the back, it's just me and Austin, like kind of big brother, little brother. Like he's fucking pestering me, and I'm like fucking trying to smack him like away from me because he did he did my goddamn dismount on his first bench and then ran to the back. And I immediately just flipped him off. I'm like, "Fuck you, dude! You're so." I did annoying. see that because he was talking. He was talking trash on bench. Yeah, he because he 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 got off, and then he saw me, and then immediately started laughing. And it was that the entire day. And I thought he was coming out to anime music. I'm like, he is just getting on my nerves the entire day. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's all love between me and Austin. It's a very it's it, we are teammates, so it's a very fun little uh, relationship we have back and forth. But yeah, everyone on King Lift saying and all my page were like, "Whoa." What are the, what's, what's the, what's the music that they're playing for his lifts? I'm like, that was the greatest fucking music ever. I 
during my squat, Kareem's I Feel Free put me in this mood of, like, complete relaxation. I think I got too relaxed because my bench sucked dick. But um, but Billy Squire saved me on deadlift. And also, if we're going to go into the meet, I think we should open with me, correct? Because I broke an all-time deadlift yeah. record. And As we discussed on this podcast, yeah, as we discussed multiple times on this podcast, um, totals don't really matter too yeah. much. It's all yeah. about all-time deadlift world unofficial world records. Yes. Um, that's yeah. really... Uh, well, world, unofficial world records, meaning on open powerlifting, it says it's the world record. Yeah. Um, that's really the most important aspect of any meet, regardless if you got like ninth place or whatever it was. Like, that's cool. But like, in reality, what you did is more impressive than anything Ashton did, because I I don't know if he set any open powerlifting unofficial world records. Like, you set a deadlift world record, even if your bench is terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I no, I mean, I well, we have to do that because I don't know if anyone's remembered after hybrid. We ha- we landed in some hot water for not opening the show with an all-time deadlift world record, and I was told that I don't know what it feels like to set an all-time deadlift world record, and I did it, so, I- oh yeah, we should definitely open with it. Fuck you, Ash. Fuck you, Ray Williams. Uh, fuck everyone else who competed. We're starting with my all-time deadlift world record. I'm joking. We're not doing that. Uh, we'll save my we'll save my shit, actually, when Joe Stana comes on. Um, coming on. Hopefully people... Uh, People appreciate that. But, yeah, this meet had too many storylines. One, as me competing just as uh, just there, it was I, – I, I didn't know exactly where to put my amazement because it was every single moment. Um, one, just warming up next to Ray Williams was incredible. And that was something that I, I think I'll never forget is just his performance. I, I I know I know the lead here is something different, but it just kind of it's sticking out to me. The return of Ray Williams was, I think it lived up to the hype, and also people were just genuine, genuinely happy in the warm up room. Not a single soul, not a single eye was off the screen watching Ray Williams squat. Everyone, no, people, you, people were running. Like there was the only lifter I saw that people were running out of the warm up room to get into the audience because. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. The single most exciting thing in powerlifting still to this day is seeing Ray Williams squat 1,000 plus. Even if it's not 1,080 anymore, still seeing Ray Williams squat 1,000 plus is the most exciting thing in powerlifting. It's not just because other people squat 1,000 pounds, but they aren't Ray. Mm-hmm. Ray is a specimen. Just yeah. the way Ray approaches the bar, the intensity, how he does it, the hype of the crowd, there is nothing like that in all of powerlifting. And even though there were so many amazing performances of this meet, Ray Williams still steals the show by getting like 16th in the meet based off a good lift score just because of his squat, because it's still the single greatest lift in powerlifting history, in my opinion, is this 1080 and just Ray Williams squat in general. Yeah, and really, it, it actually, his his lifts encompass a different sort of feel. Um, I, was, I was warming up with, uh, with David Wilson throughout the entire day and we were kind of by each other watching Ray Williams squat, and he was just like, "I get, I get scared whenever I watch him squat." And that actually add, that adds to the excitement is the fact that you know how much weight's on his back. You know, if something goes wrong, you know, there there's a lot that can be damaged of a 900 plus pound squat, and it's almost like one of those NASCAR things or those uh, or those daredevil kind of things or those stuntman things where you see it. You don't want to look away. You want to see what happens and then nail it, and it's still just as awesome. Like, it is 
really different to watch him. And all three squat attempts were the same way. He's cool as fuck. He fist bumped me like on the way out, and I'm like, yes, yes. I got to shake his hand while he was eating Chick Fil A for breakfast before weigh-ins. That was my highlight. Yeah, it was. So, it was great to see something, that. Something with this, Saber told me about this. Apparently, people were complaining that he used seven spotters for raised squats. Apparently, that was an issue. That seems like the best thing I've ever, the best idea ever, because usually they get like five puny spotters to spot the thousand pound squats that they can't even catch it. Apparently, people were complaining about that. Who's people? Uh, uh, I don't know. He yeah. said search spotter gate on Google. I tried searching and I didn't find anything. Apparently some people were complaining though that there was using that, seven spotters on the platform. That would be an which may have been leading that, that be may an- have been leading back to a point we're going to talk about, which is judging placement. Yeah. Um we had one judge on squats, uh, which Garrett pointed out um and kind of got shared around, is one judge on squats was kind of not to the side, was kind of towards the front a little bit. Um, and I can tell you from the coach's box, those spotters were jacked. They were big. They were big. Oh yeah. Humans. Yeah. They were muscular. It took up a lot of room, um, from the coach's box. I couldn't see depth at all. I had, I could not see my lifters in any way, shape or form. So I can understand the fact that that, uh, referee had to move forward a bit. And the fact of the matter is, I think you agree with this. The refing was pretty darn good the entire now, week. I had no issues with it. I think the only controversial call that's gotten some, and I say some, uh, backlash or some publicity is Charles Okpoko's, and I thought the judges nailed it. I thought he I thought he was high the entire competition. I thought there was one borderline, yeah. but if it's borderline, that means you either earn your – if you earn a red light, you shouldn't be upset with it because it's borderline. If you earn a white light, then, you know, you might have got a gift there. Borderline squats are 50-50. And I thought he got two red light lifts for his first two, then three red light lifts. And I actually agreed with all three uh, calls equally. I thought the first two, I'm like, that warrants two red lights probably. But the last one, I'm like, ooh, that one is high. And I thought it was, I thought it was inaccurately called meets. And I don't know. I, I kind of saw it coming. Not gonna lie, I kind of saw that coming with his squats. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could say it was a bad call and he should have gotten it, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I looked at those and didn't have any doubt that I didn't feel like it was depth. And again, like I actually thought they were calling depth pretty easy. Uh, my lifter Lorenzo, I told him straight up, I said I didn't think your second attempt was depth, and he got three white lights, and I was like, I didn't think it was depth, but he got it. I, I, I mean, they they weren't being overly strict; they were being very fair. Um, all day pause commands weren't that bad either. They were very fair too. Um, yeah, I mean, judging, I thought was good. Regardless if that ref was in the front, it didn't really matter because depth calls were pretty darn good all day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was, I was very happy with officiating the entire meet. Um, I guess moving on past Ray and then going into the uh, main storylines here, uh, what do you want to start with? Cause there was a lot, there was a, there was a lot to unfold. Do you want to start with Ash? No, I mean, I'm going to start different, actually, because Ash is the easy one to start with. I'm going to start with Natalie Richards. Yes, absolutely. Because Ash, we expected. Natalie, we expected. Mm-hmm. We posted everyone would know who she was by the end of the week, and now everyone does because, especially with changing to Dots, because uh, Dots is going to change, mix up some things a little bit. Some lifters who think they're hot stuff aren't going to be such hot stuff anymore um, when Dots comes around. Um, Natalie arguably... And especially depending on where people go, like assuming Amanda leaves, um, Natalie's now 
the best lifter in the USAPL um, on the female side. Mm-hmm. Um, and she solidified that. And now she's gone nine for nine, two meets in a row. And she solidified that she shows up on the biggest platform too. Cause she, it, weirdest thing, she's the best lifter arguably in the USAPL and she's still never done nationals. This was her <laughs> first ever meet that wasn't a local level meet. Yeah. And she's the best lifter in the USAPL. Yeah. And uh, that's, that is an that is a very good point, and yeah, I mean, we, even with dots, uh, it doesn't with dots her numbers total up very well, and I think the only person based on dots that is above her is Amanda Lawrence. I think he even surpasses Heather Connor on dots. Yeah, she goes what it uh, oh, dots. Now let me pull up dots here. I can click that uh, dots because that's gonna be Heather important. Connor's Heather Connors five fifty one on DOS. Natalie Richards five sixty one. So kind of that. That's not even that close. Yeah, it's convincing. No, it's it's very convincing. And yeah, if Amanda Lawrence, which it looks like, I don't know. I, I really don't know where anyone's doing right now. It looks like Heather Connors is definitely going to the uh, IPF roots right now. But Natalie Richards could very well be the best. She could be the premier female lifter in the USAPL. Uh, once the Arnold rolls around, once Nationals rolls around, I believe that's her next meet. I think she said that to me uh, prior to actually our pre-lift interviews uh, or pre-meet interviews that we did. I believe she said Nationals is going to be her next meet, but that's going to be huge. I mean, we're possibly looking at the next best female lifter in the world, and right now even her numbers hold up. I mean, uh, even if you take it with internationally, she holds up with – a lot of different lifters, and that that good lift points is not live. She got fifth in the competition. She did excellence, and you know what? We I guess we did. We said she could possibly break into that top five, and she did. But none of us really had her on our official rankings. She broke into that top five. Did an excellent job that meets. Yeah. Um, didn't surprise us because actually, I mean, again, we were. I guess uh, as far as coverage goes, we were right there because we had Brandon Petrie on, Celine Crum on. Natalie Richards just won, and I saw all of them in person at fucking Carolina Primetime, what's proving to be the best local meet of the year because that meet had some fucking heavy, heavy hitters. You had Natalie Richards going fifth, possibly the best female lifter in the USAPL currently. Granted, if Amanda Lawrence stays, she would be second. Then you have Bannon Preetree, who took second at this meet, who is looking like an early 100kg favorite. That meet, I was there. It was awesome. And this is why it was awesome. We saw two of the breakout performers of the USAPL. We might just label them that now. The breakout performers of the USAPL this year, Bannon Preetree and Natalie Richards, hands down. And we both saw them yep. at Carolina Primetime. Zero argument there. They're 100% the breakout lifters of the year because yeah. they're both, yeah, I mean, 100%. I mean, they're both top five in regards to men and women. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Natalie, uh, now obviously going over to Sweden's one thing um, for Worlds. We're not Sweden. Where, where were they? They were in Sweden, weren't they? That's where Lyco headquarters are. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're in Sweden. Um, she – I heard some people complaining that she called or that USAPL called it the unofficial world record since they're not in the IPF anymore, but whatever. Um, she would have won worlds this year based off of that total. Um, she beats Joy Namani. She wins nationals. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting. She's going up to 60 kilos. So she weighed in at 56.1 here. So mm-hmm. the uh, ability for her to get 
it notably stronger by nationals time is apparent going over likely I'm going to, I'm going to predict likely over 500 kilos by nationals time as a 60 kilo lifter, if not more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am very excited to see what he does next. I think this is the break, you know, it's hard, but the unfortunate thing, even though I don't think you can even call it an unfortunate thing. It's just so many things happen within this meet. So many different storylines that, I don't know if powerlifting has really gave it the attention it deserves. I I think the graph the graphic is definitely going to come of like of the Carolina primetime like the precursor of some of the best performances of the year were at that meet right before nationals. Uh that storyline is definitely going to drop on two white lights. But I still don't think the powerlifting world has really grasped how amazing that meet was from her because you had Ashton Ruska, of course, whenever he does a meet, you, all eyes are on Ash because he's pulling last. He's a specimen on all three lifts. He does it in different ways. Then you had the best matchup of the year, which I think is going to be the premier matchup of potentially the premier weight class with these new um, weight classes coming in the USAPL, which is Petrie and Bob. Uh, you had Austin Perkins and Daniel Clemens going. You had a lot of stuff going on, and occasionally you can get buried in that mix, but Two White Lights is definitely going to give Natalie Richards the flowers that she deserves because, like you said, we could be looking at the best female lifter in the USAPL, and then if you want to be, you know, the international person, the world too. Like, it goes Amanda... It would go Amanda, Laya, then depending on what formula you use, which if they're going to use dots, I think it would be Natalie, right? It, I'm not positive, but unless I'm missing someone, I think she, I think, I think she'd be top five. Corolla's got to be up there. Oh yeah, uh, I forgot about that. And then I, I'd say Heather Connor, but if we're going dots, Heather, Heather Connor gets bumped down a good deal from dots. She's yeah. not uh, the good lift score is pretty heavily biased towards that 47 kilo class where dots is a bit more even spanning through all classes. So, um, but yeah, you brought it up already. I skipped over it. We'll come back to it. Ashton, uh, is a cyborg that was confirmed. Yeah. Um, I heard some people saying, Oh, he didn't even win by that much. It was actually close. Well, he took a YOLO third deadlift because he had already won it on his second attempt that he didn't even need to take a third deadlift. He could have probably pulled another 15 kilos. No problem. Total 970, which is just just ignorant. And then we wouldn't be saying it's close at all. But no, he YOLO'd 400.5, what, 880-something, 881, 882, um, to try and just – and he got it past his knees almost. When you wrap up the meet on your eighth attempt, it's not close. It's not a close meet. No. That was very similar to 2019 Nationals where people said Ray almost lost and it was just a token deadlift he took just to win, like something he was guaranteed to get. Like, he wasn't close to losing that Nationals. Very similar. As a person competing at the meet, no. We didn't think he was close to losing at any point. Once once you see him hit his lifts, it's over. Like, it, you know it's over for everyone else. Well, once he hit a third bench, which he hasn't hit in a while, I believe he's missed multiple third benches in a row. Once he hit his third bench, it was over. Yeah. Yeah, when you could wrap up a meet on your second lift, it's it's done. It's done, so. And it looks like he's staying the USAPL route. He was definitely um, he was definitely loving that pro atmosphere. We were all just 
we we were all actually just marveling at Ash too the entire time. So whenever you're in a room full of really elite level lifters and he's the alpha of that, that means you're a fucking beast. So it's really Taylor Atwood, him, and I actually think on the men's side, the field. I I mean we did see we did see two guys who can potentially be at that level very soon. And we would not exp- I mean I think you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna I thought Bob would be in this position in 2019. And I could tell you one other guy who did, Garrett Fear. Garrett Fear said Bob is eventually going to be a better version of Russ Orhe. I'm sorry, Garrett, if you didn't if you wanted that private, but I'm going to out you here. You said that and I actually think that is a major possibility. And also, this is something I didn't expect. Petrie. <laughs> Pete Brandon Petrie being that same exact lifter where he is up there as far as best overall lifters, potential national champion, and a definite, definite staple in this federation. Those two guys put on a goddamn show, and I was loving it. Yep. I'm going to take some credit here. I picked Bob third at nationals. You did it. Unfortunately, Bob, you didn't pull through for me at nationals. Well, he wasn't at the right weight class, obviously. Uh, yeah, that was it. I actually, I'd never met him in person or at least he's, talked to him in person before. Right. He's way taller than I thought. He, he is he's so big. Huge. Yes. He told me his plan long term is to go 110, um, which scary. super interesting thing. Yeah. We had Ashton at that meet. We had Bob eventually maybe going 110. And who else was at that meet salivating? Rondell Hunt. Oh, yeah. I forgot. I'm like, wait, well, who else? Uh, yeah, he was there. Three, three to four years, you might be have those guys all battling together at the one ten. But and yeah, that, and that's a true. Uh, Bob versus Brandon is a huge, huge battle. Bob's got the upper hand right now. That's, that is the fact, but that's also because Bob also is already at the top of the weight class. Brandon, um, he did weigh in lighter than I think he walks around. He told me he walks around a lot like two thirteen, two fourteen. Um, he didn't try to cut; it just kind of naturally happened, and he weighed in like ninety three point eight or something. But um, Brandon, obviously, I mean, his biggest thing is he's finally not hurt. He can finally train. And yeah. now that he's obviously gaining weight too, um, the sky's the limit there, but it'll be incredible to see what happens between them. Um, that was that was something I didn't dispel on the preview show that I didn't know though. Um, I didn't even tell Angelo because I didn't want the, him to have any advantage on the rankings is I did know from Marcellus that Brandon did weigh less than Bob, which was why he likely was going to have the coefficient score advantage, even if it was, even if Bob won. Yeah, well, that was something I was like, once you said that, I'm like, well, fuck, I just lost that one, even though... Oh, I'm better at bad journalism. I do my research. Yeah, you are. That was that was some shisty th- stuff. I thought I thought you weren't supposed to do research if you're a journalist, and you know, I guess I am the better journalist of the two by not doing research and just assuming things. But, yeah, um, once, once I saw that, I'm like, okay, it looks like he definitely has the upper hand here, but that battle's not over. And, and uh, Petrie definitely knows, Bob knows... I know on uh, on dots, it's a little bit of a different story there too, as far as who gets in on the rankings. But as it stands, he bested him. And if you were going to, I mean, after nationals, we both know the potential of of, of Brandon Petrie and uh, Bob Matthews. We know this, but I don't think people could have guessed that they would be right there with Ash in their next meets, especially when it's a meet with the high level lifters there. Like I said, yeah. I mean, to put it in perspective, not to turn it into me, but I I beat both these guys 
within their meets that they did the same week as me. And they mm-hmm. blew me out of the water this meet. Petrie, if he hit his third squat, Ashton would have had to pull a third deadlift. That's how that, that that's where someone wants to say it's close. It could be, but it didn't happen. So, but if Petrie hurts, hits that third squat, um, it would have actually pushed Ashton a little bit there. Um, that's how good he was. And yeah, I mean, Ashton's just kind of been the cash cow with these meets, winning money, kind of walking in, taking it. I don't think by the end of 2022, he's going to be able to do that. No, you you have you have guys who are Ash and Ruska like. I look at Bob and I look at Petrie and I look at a lot of other guys, and they're starting to develop into an Ash and Ruska type lifter where they are genetically gifted, but also just strong as fuck, and also disciplined, and also have that drive too. There's a lot of people in the USAPL who I think are like that. I said on my story, and I'll stick with it that the entire higher craftsmanship team is one evolution away from all being cyborgs yeah. like uh brandon bob michael c honestly he was a big surprise if it wasn't for some cramping issues again he actually was holding second place based off a subtotal for a while um we'll talk about jamar jamar definitely showed up in a big way um i don't think he fully had the meat he wanted um but it was definitely a big uptick from past meets and, and coming in more so of uh, what he's been able to display in the gym. All of those guys, absolutely insane what they're doing. Well, yeah, it was definitely the craftsmanship show. They have the first, they have the first lead in our coaches. Uh, what, what, what are you calling that again? I don't know. Coaches championship. We got to, we got yeah, to get a great name. Yeah, we got to get a name, but yeah. And a sponsor for that too, but he's in the early lead of that. And really, I mean that bad, I mean, badass pitcher too. Just an absolute badass pitcher of all of them. It's like, holy shit. I, man, I don't know if I want to start this. I don't want to, I don't know if I want to do, but I'm telling you that keeps on going. That keeps on growing flex. You got some company. Well, we said the Bucks, they were the Bucks last year, craftsmanship, and we said they had the potential to win a championship, but could all the talent bring it together? They did. And now they're probably the favorites to win the championship again this year. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I'm looking at them like and also that helps with people getting on the team. You know, like you look at that, it's like there's a coolness factor now too. Same thing with a flex hat. There's a coolness factor. They look a certain way, they're jacked. They're fucking big. They're strong. They're they're swaggy. They all can they're really dance. They dance well at the after parties. They can. Oh god. I I don't think the flex crew has the dance championship over craftsmanship. Craftsmanship's got that. I don't think anyone can challenge them. And Petrie looked fly as fuck coming in. He was the second best. He was the second best dressed person there. I think I took the title. I, I love you, man. But I wish I could be biased. But Petrie had you. He was the best dressed. It's because he had the scarf and he looks much better than it's, me. It's, it's also because looking. that man and is just a beautiful his, human and being. His when you look into his eyes. You just get lost in them. That's what I was gonna say. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't count. It's his eyes. <laughs> it's his scarf. He's a beautiful man. You can't. I can't knock that. Um. But, yeah, like, I'm very curious to see what happens, like, just in the few, because I know what happens with coaching. You, 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 you're you off a little bit hot, and people start inquiring more. You start landing some bigger lifters. I'm, that's why you need certain things like this. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I, and I do love the, I do love what I saw with the team aspect, too, in this meet, uh, as well. Like, it's being more evident people are representing their teams, which I love. I love people representing their teams. Like, I, I do like that. 
Yeah, we had some, I mean, we had a lot of representative like teams there and all of them were very much like, there was a very much togetherness. You had game day there. Um, I had two athletes there and even then they'd never met each other, but just the camaraderie there from the get-go was awesome. Um, it was really cool to see that. I mean, uh, even Sanjeev and Rondell came out um, for Strength Studio um, TT to handle Justin and, and Marcus. So um, just really, and Samantha Calhoun, uh, even though she didn't have like a, a team there per se of lifters, she's always, her, her support crowd is always insane. She always seems to have the biggest support crowd at every single meet. Um, and yeah, so. Yeah, that was that was great to see. All right, so we got that. The big battle of the day, definitely Bob and Petrie. People were, I mean, and also in the back, that was something that we were all looking at too. Like there was people we were watching. Those were two guys we were watching and tracking the entire day. Not because of rankings. I mean, it does have something to do with it, but also just because it was entertaining and fun. Watch, watching those two guys, Bob is probably, actually, I will tell you who took the, the definite the definite title is my favorite lifter to watch there, but Bob is up there, I think, with the viewer's choice. Everyone loves watching Bob lift. He is so damn good. Mm-hmm. He's, he makes things look effortless. His technique is great. He's just a fun guy to watch. Petrie's also fun to watch. My guy, who I gained a much greater respect for, even though I had very, very high respect for him, I love David Wilson. I love him. He is fun yeah, to watch. He's, on all te- he's, he's a technician and there's no limit. He, I mean, uh, we kind of talked about on the preview show. Um, he's been hit this last block into the meat. Wasn't going great. He was having a little bit of a knee issue. And he confirmed that with me that like, he didn't know what he was going to do coming in. Like, especially on deadlift, he didn't have a huge expectation. And then he comes out there and I don't know if there was a limit to how much he could deadlift. I, uh, I don't, I, I, I wish there was a fourth and fifth attempt. Cause I think we could have kept loading 20 kilos up every attempt and he would have just kept hitting it because it, nothing slowed down. It looked like he was deadlifting with a deadlift bar out there. It was incredible. Uh, his deadlift was so damn smooth. I was I was amped after he pulled his deadlift, and it really is just all of his lifts. Like I was just in. This is something that this meet is great on. I never got to compete with David Wilson before, and usually I would never. Like it doesn't make sense for us to compete together. Nationals will be separate. Maybe the Arnold will be competing together and warming up together, but it's very seldom. This meet, I got to warm up with him. Like, damn, I want to be him. Like, I want to be the way he lifts. He does everything so well. He's really fun to watch. He's technically efficient. He's just big and strong, which is something I appreciate. I don't know. It's I, I don't think we were planning on getting into a, uh, like this uh, fanboy over David Wilson, but I never got to compete with the guy, and I love him. He's fantastic. Fantastic yep. to watch. And I'll segue from David to give credit where credit is deserved because we underrated is Jake Amendola. I was about to we say. We severely underrated him. And I am super happy to see this for multiple reasons. But one, we kind of talked about at post-nationals that there was, there was a little bit of an asterisk next to Jake getting third because Dave just kind of YOLO'd that deadlift because he didn't care about placing. He could have, Dave, I think it was like five kilos he could have bumped up, gotten third over Jake and would have gotten third and actually just didn't care. And we, we kind of put Jake down on that. And, uh, I don't think even with days, unlimited deadlift capabilities based off of what Jake did, Jake just won. If you were going head to head battles between the two, Jake just won on this day, nine Oh seven total close to that 600 bench, but the 600, the 584 bench that we always know it's going to come his deadlift and his squat showed up. It was just a huge day. I mean, based off a coefficient score, 
I was not thinking he was going to be in the running because of what he would have to put up. And he ended up being in the running. I think if it was dots too, what was it? Dots. Oh, he actually gets beat up by dots. I take that back. But seventh overall. Um, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I, I, if you would have asked me beforehand, I probably would have said if he breaks in the top 10, I, I would thought that was probably unlikely based on who was on the roster and for him to get seventh overall um, was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Shame on us for the underrating. So yeah, that was. I think that was one we missed out on the most. Unless I'm unless I'm misremembering something, but I think we we probably overlooked him the most. And he he is he's also fun to watch. Um, also just a really cool guy too. I never talked to him before, and talking to him I'm like, oh shit, it's one of those things. Where like you're my kind of people. You're awesome. And I've always marveled at his bench. But the dude's just a solid put-together lifter. And I admire guys like him because he doesn't have the leverage to deadlift. And he does it. And he does the right things in order to get back to get better at the lift that he struggles at. And I that is one of my biggest admiration for lifters. He's a guy who's done that. And yeah, he proved us wrong, which is which is something that I always want to see. I always want to see people go above and beyond what we, the expectations that not only us, but other people are putting on them. Cause I don't think anyone is really anticipating him to have this good of meat, but he's a goddamn good lifter. He is so good. I love watching him bench. He has just got like, you just look at the guy. It's like bench. That's what I think of. He is in my opinion. I'm sorry, Jonathan Keiko. I think he's Mr. Bench in my eyes. Just by looking at him, even though Keiko, I think on formula, he beats him. But Amandola is starting to get that title for me, at least. It, it's I, I said it on. I'm going to stick by it. He's got to bench 600 and I'll give it to him over Keiko. And once he does, I will give him that. But either way, still an incredibly impressive meet from him. Um it's always like we kind of talked about the previous show. He kind of hid some of his list. Like he, he didn't really show his seven ten squat. So it is sometimes kind of hard to see kind of what he was capable of doing. Um, but this is definitely his best meet yet. Cause he's had, he's had some performances lately that he was kind of plateaued a bit. It was just kind of the same total over and over. And this was kind of the jump people have been waiting for um, that. He, he has shown kind of highlights of, but really hadn't put together yet. Um, yeah. Just fantastic all around. Yeah, uh, yeah, fantastic meet from him. And also, we're 40 minutes in, and I don't want to get the Austin Perkins underrated thing again, but he took fourth, and I really enjoyed what I saw from Austin Perkins. He told me right after the meet, he's like, man, I got fourth, and that's one better than you predicted me at. And I'm like, yeah, all right, I guess I was proven wrong on that one. But I was really happy to see his performance because I think it was a very mature performance from him. I'm not saying that he has immature meets because that doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's something that I think he is molding, and it's something that I is going to make him a better competitor. Him and Joe are going to work very well together, and I think with him, with Joe kind of harnessing that, real competitive, smart approach to attempts, smart approach to lifting. He is going to be in a position where he is going to be the heir apparent to Taylor Atwood. Going to be a, a, yeah. a, 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 it's going to be a tall hill to climb, but I don't know if there's another lifter in this sport who I can say that about. I can, from his age, he, from his size, from the way he lifts, how gifted he is, I think time 
will be on his side, and I think he could eventually be that Taylor Atwood type, which means goat status. And if this was the if we were using dots, he got second. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, this this meet was definitely a step in the right direction after a, a decent little down ticket nationals. Um, I mean, I see him very much going 800 kilos again plus um, at a national level style meet sometime next year. Um, I think we all do need to kind of chip in a GoFundMe to get him food. Um, if he, if he just eats a little bit more, um, he might be pushing Taylor Atwood by next year. Um, but, uh, he's, lifting wise, he's jacked. Uh, though. I will say this about him. He like, I think people said like, he's, he doesn't like, he's a jacked, well put together kid. He's, oh, he is. He just, if he can just gain some weight to fill up that class a little bit better. The, the the strength would be uh gotta, be very very nice. I gotta ask, but uh, I gotta ask how much his caffeine intake is. That kid has so much energy, and for <laughs> seriously, it's like it's legitimately like a little brother because it's like I'm a curmudgeon, and he's full of energy and life and joy, and it, like that that's that like makes me angry. And the only time I am happy is when I am hating something. So. Yeah, like he is—he's too energetic, too energetic to be around me at all times. But I don't know—I don't—I don't—I mean, he could be taking pre-workout. Like I didn't see shit, and I think he was—I think he was storing pre-workout. Yeah, Jack 3D. He had tubs of Jack 3D from back in 2010 <laughs> stored over, and was straight snorting it. Yeah. Well, we won't say that because I think the USAPL will be knocking at his door tomorrow. So, <laughs> yes, that was that was sarcasm. <laughs> that was yeah for everyone listening. But I also have never triple scooped Jack 3D in my life. Never done it. Yeah. Um, Jeez. So, well, Jeez. speaking, I picked Austin for second. Yeah. Um, I, I I wasn't right. You picked Daniel Clements for second. You weren't right. But I don't think that gives Daniel. I think Daniel got seventh, maybe. I don't think that gives him due justice. Like I, I, this is the, I think he's one of the lifters that I didn't feel like IPS score really gave him justice for the fact that like, if we're looking at like one, that 320 deadlift, he smoked. He just had up and down at the top because he bobbled a little bit. Yeah. But he freaking crushed it. If he hits that, that's a 737.5 total. I think that's 30 something, like 30 kilos over what Panna did at Worlds. Um. Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. He, that's it, insane. Yeah. He, I was, I was a little, yeah. Cause I mean, that poll, like, I was upset seeing it because I, you just know, like, I don't, I actually don't know what happened. I think he might have lost balance a little bit. And he, he kind of, like, at times that hook grip is, is just hard to really gauge. So I think that was the issue there. But you look at the lift and you're sitting there like, holy fuck, he just smoked that. And then you see that up and down movement. You're like, and you get mad for him. Like fuck, he was that close, and you know he's good for it. You just know it, and it was hard to watch. Like just as a competitor, because I know how frustrating that is, just to miss a lift. I even get pissed off when I do it at the gym, just to let alone a competition. And I know it's there for him. And then again, he doesn't get that credit, which I know he deserves, and it kind of gets forgotten about. But Daniel Clemens is a bona fide, just absolute beast lifter. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he, he's, he's, he's going to be dominating that 66 KG, KG class for a while. Cause it, he keeps getting stronger every meet. He's not slowing down. Uh, another person, I think that the, the good lift score didn't give justice was Sam Calhoun, 520 KG total, perfect meet 
it's kind of the meat she's been looking for for a while, especially on that deadlift. Um, she, like I said, she just kind of got overshadowed because Natalie put in this insane meat based off a good lift score. She didn't really place too high in the sense of like uh, the overall, but Sam had an absolutely incredible meet. And it makes me excited to see, because she went in at 64.55. She's going up to 67.5. That makes me excited to see what she can do with that weight. Yeah. Um, if she can go, because she's kind of like, we've kind of talked about her, her gains have been slow and it's because she's a very advanced lifter. She's been having to stay in a weight class. I, I wonder if with that weight gain, we could see like a 540 total come nationals time. If she gets a little spark of, uh, of, of progress from being able to kind of uh, allow that body weight to increase a little bit. Yeah, I feel like this happens for lifters who are just really, really good for a really long time that we expect it. We expect her to go eight for nine or nine for nine at every meet, and we expect her to put in a money performance, and she's always on. So when she does a meet like this, it's just like it doesn't surprise us, and it's strange because she is about as game and as elite as they come. I mean, if you look at any lifter there, really any lifter there, I guess maybe aside from Ray Williams and Jen Thompson, it's like this is a legend. Like she is someone that who's who's been so good in the sport for such a long time, and you kind of you kind of get you 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 just get used to it. I think. Um, and but I will say though, the crowd there, I I say she got the loudest pops from the crowd. So the crowd knew she's always got yeah she's always got the biggest sure. cheering section yeah. Her, 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 her friends come out and hype her up like no other. So, which I always love seeing. Yeah, it, it was, it was great. It was also, cause that's a lift drive admired for a long time. I'm a big fan of those lifters who are smooth, consistent, who put effort into every aspect of powerlifting and to see her warm up and actually do it in a kind of a badass way. Like everyone didn't want to use a power rack and she was using the power rack. Like that's. Like, that's kind of a badass thing to do, and it's like, oh, maybe there's something to it. Like, you think about it, like, maybe I should warm up a power rack because Sam does not – Sam is – I mean, as far as meet day competitors go there, I, I would say up towards the top as far as performances. Yeah. Always. She's always 8 for 8, 9 for 9, always. Yeah. Jen, Jen Thompson was on the on the power rack bandwagon too. She, she didn't yeah. care either. I will say – one of the highlights for me at the meet is giving Jen Thompson a lift off on bench. I can now say I gave arguably the greatest female bencher, maybe the greatest bencher of all time, a lift off. Yeah. Nice. Mine was, I kissed Brandon Petrie on the cheek after he won uh, oh. second place. Yeah. So I think I win on that one. Oh, you, you, you may, I, I, I may, I may demand that next time of Brandon. I want to kiss. I kissed a lot of people, one female and that being my girlfriend. So that was, Oh, I that, didn't get a, I didn't weird. get a kiss. That was weird. As I said that, she walks <laughs> in. yeah, you guys can't see it, but as I said that, my girlfriend just walked into the door. But yeah, um, you didn't get a kiss. I, I apologize for that. But you weren't right in immediate kissing distance when I hit my deadlift, and you didn't win second place at the meet. So, all right, I'll have to win next time. Yeah, if it's. Once I'm Masters four, I'll get those age points. Well, you know they they got something for you. Virginia Pros open yeah. up for Masters lifter, which, which I apologize <laughs> to. <laughs> like, sorry guys, our demographic is is skewed a little bit, so we have to talk about certain things. So, kind of, well, kind of, well, we're on the topic of Sam, so kind of wrapping up the women. 
uh, we got Christina Paracci. I think she tied, I think 442.5 is what she hit when she won nationals. I think she tied her total. She's on the uh, up and is, up. On the up and up there. That's and it's good to see. She is on she's slowly getting herself there. She is slowly getting herself back into shape. Coming off a knee surgery, hard thing to do. But if there's any lifter who I don't doubt getting better after knee surgery, it's her. Everyone, everyone marvels at Christina when she walks into room because, oh my God, she gets more jacked every time I see her. Yes, the she definitely has more muscle lifter. than I do, for sure. Yeah, and that's hard to do. It's a very difficult thing to have more muscle than the Oracle, Steve Denovi. But yeah, it just, yeah. So, uh, but uh, that's a person who, who's game for it. Like a person who takes a lifting seriously and it sounds weird, but occasionally power lifters can be in that, that squat bench deadlift train for a while. That's a person who takes their lifting seriously. They work on everything. They take every aspect of lifting seriously. So if you're coming off a knee surgery, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to come back from. I think a person like her, a lifter like her, she's going to get there, and she's definitely going to be a contender. Yeah, for sure. That's really exciting to see her back up there. I think she's pretty she's pretty solidly in the fifth. I don't think she – I may be wrong. I don't think she cut for this 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 uh, meet, and she's only 57.15, so she's a 56 lifter. I Am think, I wrong on that? I, Do you know? I think she might have cut because I think I saw her during the pre-lift interview, and she said something about cutting – but if she didn't cut and she looked that shredded, God, God bless I fi- her. I figure she's going to be 56. I think I don't so, know, I think so too. I, I think, I that, think could so be, too. that could be very good for her because there's obviously a lot of people going to go up to 60. Um, and I think that could create a really good kind of opening for her to be very – I mean, she's already really competitive, but back in that running for, for possibly winning that uh, 56 class. And speaking of winning a class of open – we talked about this on the, the show – my lifter, Demetria, um, shout out. She got third. Neither yeah. of us even picked her for third. I didn't pick her for third. Good job, um, man. <laughs> she got third of all the women. Um, and that was not even on a perfect day. Um, the good thing, though, and I said kind of open for for chances. I mean, like, again, if Heather's not coming to USAPL, that 48-kilo class is going to be wide open. That's perfect for Demetria because – uh, it gives her some room to gain some weight because she's she's she just aged out of juniors, I think. And so she's been kind of having to kind of hold her weight back a bit. She's she wants to grow. So 48 is awesome. If it wasn't for a little hiccup on technicalities on deadlifts, she she easily had another 10 kilos on deadlift strength wise. Um everything was about perfect. Um for our first meet together, I mean all three lifts peaked about perfect. Just we just got to figure out some technicalities on deadlifts. She was getting called for soft knees. Um, if it wasn't for that though, I think she could have easily gone three eighty ish on her total, which again, um, that's going to, she's going to be right in there come nationals time for that 48 kilo crown, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely agree, especially with the new weight classes and someone who really came onto the scene. I think during nationals, we both were very impressed with what we've seen from her. And I think she's definitely going to be on the up and up. Um, and a person who I can tell, it's one of the where they have kind of like the the physique for it. Like person puts on some muscle, definite good leverages, someone who's going to be in the sport for a while and who's going to continuously make their gains. That's what I see from Demetria. 
Yeah. What's crazy with her is the fact that she has really good deadlift leverages, but somehow is the American record holder in bench. It's kind of, it's kind of Sean-esque. Uh, maybe that's going to be my new forte is leverage deadlifters who are really good at bench somehow. That's, that's the Steve DeNovi like uh, niche. Yeah. I, I, I actually did not realize that until you pointed it out. Yeah. I, so that means Angelo's firing Joe to come this Eve. <laughs> Fuck, that's, a, that's a very, very good argument there. Sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding, Joe. I'm yeah. kidding, Joe. But that, that would be uh, in the sense of uh, we'll talk about Angelo maybe a little bit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to lead, lead way into to Angelo. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't have a great ben- didn't have a great bench day. No, no, I did it. But. Uh, well, just straight up, bi- straight up bias. I don't care. Uh, we j- joked in the beginning about your your record deadlift. That was my favorite lift of the meet, just because one of my my best friends. I was just so hyped to see that. Like I'm just straight up. When I saw 350 go in there, I was like, oh gosh, this is this is going bad. Because 332, I mean, it didn't move bad, but it didn't move great. Like I've seen you hit that better. I've like hit, you hit that, like I fit seven fifty. I don't know better. what your second attempt was at Midwest primetime, but it was better than that three thirty-two. And so when I saw that, I was like, eh, probably got like three forty-two, three forty-five today, maybe. And when I saw three fifty, it's like, eh, this is one of those like meat was bad and it's gonna go worse. And then you pulled it and jaw just I was just jaw just dropped. Yeah. Um that pretty much sums up the meat for me, I guess, because I mean, you know, like I, I, I can't. We, I mean, we talked about it in the previous show, and it's going to be covered more on when Joe Santa comes on. This is going to be actually a very interesting uh, coach client confidential because you know there's a lot to talk about there. Um, but we kind of knew going in, prep wasn't the best. Squat felt a little bit weird, but I usually hit my squats. Bench, I just knew it was going to go poorly. Um, I thought we were going to go 162 on my second attempt, and even then would have been RP 10. I'm not going to lie, I might have fucking missed it because of how shot my shoulders were. And that's something we're going to work on. You know, it's all going to be safe for Coach Client Confidential. And really, that last deadlift, I was not too confident I was going to hit it, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on a podcast talking about it, but it was legit the biggest ego lift of my life. Like, I just didn't want to walk away with chipping my own American record. Some actually really was an ego thing. As I was competing, someone in the UK pulled 350 and I saw it. I'm like, what the fuck? There's another guy now. And conventional. So that means that's actually the record. Yeah. That's, he actually is the best deadlifter. And I was like, man, God damn it. There's another guy now that deadlifts 771. So I saw that. And then Nick Manders almost pulled 365. Nick Manders. I will say this right now. Nick Manders is the best deadlifter in 83. I'm just going to say that right now. And probably 97% of this podcast doesn't know who he is. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, Nick Manders is the best deadlifter in 83. And actually, I would actually put, um, even though I don't know his full name, always Tom Rogue One or something. Oh, yeah. He, just, he doesn't compete. I don't know when he's ever going to compete. I don't know he's going to so. compete, but I, can, I really just look at both of them and, like, they are the best deadlifters in the world, in, in my eyes. And I think Ina could definitely get to a point. I don't see myself continuously being the all-time deadlift record holder, and I don't necessarily care because the meat, I, it wasn't my favorite meat. Let's just put it that way. Nationals performing, getting third was my all-time favorite moment in powerlifting so far. And really, it was an ego thing. If I went 
seven for nine with an all-time deadlift world record and still totaling 800, I was going to be in a good mood for the rest of the weekend where I would drink happily, not drink with melancholy, even though I was still like, I was, I was content with, you know, my drinks afterwards. I wasn't on cloud nine, but I was content that bench really put me in a bad mood throughout the day. And yeah, it was a complete Eagle lift. I think I moved seven fifty better than I moved seven thirty, in my opinion. I, and that was the shittiest pull of my life. Good Lord. Was that ugly? It was a grinder RP 10 and a half. I almost didn't lock it out. It was a slow lockout. It was ugly looking, but it felt good to get it. It felt good to end the meet off. Never go six or nine in my life. That's where I kissed Jamal Garrett Delaney, my girlfriend. Passed a lot of DNA around. And then, and then no one saw it. You came back and you were about to do a very aggressive belt throw. Yeah. And then you kind of slowed down. I don't know why you did it, but you well, were about, I know, we all saw I know it exactly. You were about to throw your belt as hard as you can. And then you slowed down at the last second and just kind of like tossed it. I know. I know exactly <laughs> why. Because there was a shit ton of people in front of me. And I what it would have been terrible to like do that and then just fucking hit someone in the face with my belt. Like some innocent bystander who's just sitting there handling someone. I hit Matt Holden in the fucking face with my belt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's like, oh shit, now I have to apologize to someone because I accidentally chucked a belt at their face. But yeah, uh, yeah, it was just, it was kind of a relief. I'm not going to lie. It was more relief than anything to just do that and uh, know that I can actually do that now. And we'll talk more about my plans going forward because, you know, I. I think with a good bench day, I mean, fuck, I don't want to blabber on about myself, but with a 170 bench, which is just tying a PR, you know, we improve our total that day by 12 kilos, which is a meat PR. And that puts me in contention there. And that makes me more pissed off saying it. So I'm probably just going to stop there because if I think about what happens, if I squat 297 or 300 and then pull 350 and, Bench 170, where I could be in the rankings, and yeah, uh, so it's, it's actually it's it's making me upset. So <laughs> it's, it's well, you just you just signed up for a meet, literally. <laughs> As we're about to record this podcast, he signed up for the Arnold because he didn't realize that there was a limit and entries open. So I told him to sign up for it while I rambled. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. you are you are going to the Arnold uh, on March fifth. Yeah, and you know, and I think uh, with with some. Definite. I mean, we're going to really rework that bench and, you know, try to hit that total and put something in position where we know the number that uh, the, the, the the greats hit and the top guys hit. And that's that's 830 to 840. That's what that's what we have to be at for 82 and a half to 83. So that's where we got to go. Especially at, especially after that Delaney Wallace 640 for four. He is such a prick. He is this. So Delaney was at the meet. And I guess I am blabbering about myself now, which it's, you know, whatever. It's my podcast. It's your podcast. You get to do what you want. Yeah, take that. Um, But he, I'm saying he's a prick kindly. Uh, It's it's very friendly. He is, though, the best example for me of, like, friendly competition. But he is genuine, where a lot of people are disingenuine with how they're competitive and how they treat their competitors. Me and him and I really do have that where he came out to watch a lot of his friends compete and he was really cheering me on and he does have confidence in me, but he knows he can beat me and he knows 
that it's going to be a battle between him and I. And it's it's kind of like the I mean, of course, I'm chasing Russ and Nori, but that's another guy I'm chasing, too. And he does this thing that drives me crazy. He's like, man, you got to stop squatting so much. And I want to punch him in the throat whenever he says it. Because <laughs> it just is so patronizing. He doesn't bring up my bench, though, which is actually very... That, that's how I know it's bad. When he doesn't even... Talk, like, he doesn't talk about it. Like, he's just like, yeah, you're whatever. Fuck it. Uh, your deadlift is amazing, man. Uh, and your squat is blowing up, dude. And he doesn't say anything about bench. Um, but, yeah, I just know that he can squat probably 700 his next meet. And that's... And that's the guy I think everyone is going to be looking at. Uh, but I got to put in a total that's, yeah, that's better than his, 825. And he's probably going to do much better than 825 next meet. So we know what we've got to do for the Arnold. And, yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, <clears throat> I guess that's that's my talk about me. And I can't wait to have a whole podcast about me where if I got angry during this one, it's going to be awesome talking about it with my coach and me get more angry about it, so. Tune in to next episode of Two White Lights, where Angelo gets angry about his own total. Well, speaking of someone that's that's decently known for a lift, Jamar Royster. Yeah, uh, I think he hit a seven. Is it seven forty four? Yep. Squat seven forty three. I think he probably had like seven fifty, seven fifty five on the day. He went for seven sixty three, I think, or something like that. Three forty seven point five. Um, didn't have it. Um. I think people were expecting to see like 771 or more because he hit that in the gym. Um, I actually, this is about, I mean, to me, this is about what I expected. Not because I expected him to not be able to hit in the gym what he did or hit in the meet what he did in the gym, but like his most recent training, his he hit like a 750 squat. I mean, it was decently hard. Like that looked like a third attempt meet squat. And that's about what he had on the day, which is great because it looked like he finally, for the most part, had meet day, what he could do in the gym. And if anything, I know he was probably even more excited about because he came back just absolutely uh, enthralled to hit two deadlift PRs. He had a deadlift PR in his second attempt, and he had a deadlift PR in his third attempt because that's kind of been his lift. It's been his biggest struggle. Um, So I know, if anything, he might be walking away almost more excited about that 310 deadlift than his uh, 744 squat. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be honest. I thought he had that 763. I thought it was a perfect attempt selection. Um, He didn't end up getting it. I really thought he was going to get that. and But... The dude is a 93 kilo record holder, correct? 93 kilo and squat. Yes. Yeah. So if they dude, put an Amer- if they put an American record, I don't know if they set if they called American record. Oh wait, we got it. Yeah, we got to Yeah, actually, I got to send in my shit for the American records. But yeah, he he set an American record at this meet at 93 kilos. Uh, take that, right? I mean, he holds a deadlift. He holds a squat record 83 for like a second, and then he he now mm-hmm. has it. And I don't see. I, it's going to be very hard for Gavin to break that. I will say that right now. Um, oh, cause Gavin, well, Gavin, well, Gavin's definitely going IPF, but Gavin, but Gavin for sure is not going at 90 because Gavin weighs, he is not close to that. Yeah. Um, do, do, do we have confirmation Jamar's going 90? I hope we do. Because I, this was just, again, this was said. Yeah. This, it was said to me during the meet. Uh, it sounds like he's definitely going 90, but you know, I don't want to say like, I, you know, you don't know what lifters are going to do. Um, and I don't want to really confirm that, but I think he said on his YouTube, um, that he, again, it could be wrong. I apologize tomorrow if I'm wrong. I think I heard that too. I think I heard on his YouTube. He said so, he was going 90. 90s perfect. It makes no sense. It makes no sense for him to go lower. He's perfect at 90. He, and really, if you look at the landscape of things, 
I don't own the USAPL right now. Aside, you got Marcus, who announced today he's going 90. You got some dudes yep. at 90 who are very intriguing to watch and who can have a really good battle. But, man, I, if he if, when he's figuring out the deadlift, he's 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 looking a lot better with extra weight on him. He's a dude that could potentially just be a be someone who dominates that division. But Marcus, yeah, Marcus, is, I mean, I, Marcus I, is looking I, see everyone, but I, I figure the, the the top people right now who have declared ninety are Marcus Adudo or Dodo. Marcus Adudo. I'll get it right sometimes. Jamal Royster and Bork. I probably put Bork number one right now. Wait, Bork uh, and then Marcus Bork and Jamal are chasing it. Bork's, Bork's, Bork's going 90. ninety. Ooh, okay. All right. Yeah, Bork. Yeah, Bork's that would gotta be the sense. favorite he's at not, ninety because yeah, he's not Bork, huge, huge. Bork barely would weigh over 93. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that, actually. So he's actually very comfortable going to 90. Um, so Bork will go 90, and I think he's probably going to be the favorite there. Okay. All right. Intriguing weight class for sure, and then depending on how it all unfolds. Unless unless people want to start, if you, if you want to help me, uh, everyone flood Sean Noriega's DMs with go 90 kilos. I don't think that will even work. I don't think he could be convinced – Unless, of course, Russ or he goes to 90 kilos, <laughs> then he will be convinced to go uh, to 90. But yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Uh, yeah, that's a definite interesting weight class. And really, I'm, uh, the exciting part is what happens after this meet, the aftermath of, uh, of it. Because Michael C., I get another competitor to compete against, and he beat me in this meet. And I, that was the guy, I don't know if he knew it, but I was kind of tracking him the entire meet. Because I'm like... Is it realistic for me to catch up to Perk, Bob, and Petrie? I'm going to have to have a pretty special meet. But if I go and just total 805 to 808, I could possibly beat C, and he could be in that top five range. So I was tracking him the entire meet, and, you know, with extra weight on him, I think he's a definite 800 contender. And if you're totaling 800, you're probably in the top five there. And depending on how – because Russ looks like he's a IPF lifter now, depending on how it goes – depending on what Delaney does, I, I think I think 82 and a half might take the biggest hit. So it might open up the the weight class to some to some interesting competitors. Yeah, I think Michael had the strength for 800 kilos on the day. It just came back again. He started cramping. Um, just been the continual issue with this lower body weight. Um, and that's a 75.35. So if he can build into, uh, the 82 kilo class, we joked the entire meet cause I, I said he was 175 and I was wrong about that. Cause he was not 175. Um, uh, if he can be 175 plus, um, I, I can very well see him being in that 800 to 820 range come nationals time. Cause he was already there. And then if he gains weight on top of that, um, that would be, that, it, it depends on where people go. If we see Rush, Sean, and and Delaney all go battle out in PLA Nationals, um, we're kind of let we're kind of looking at you versus Michael possibly, um, and David Chan. I would put David. Probably the top I would. Contenders. I would put David Chan right now above because he's got he's got room to grow and also he's just so damn efficient. So yeah, and that'll be that'll be that'll be like if you're looking at again that'll be funny like bizarre you know what i was thinking of which is actually kind of a stupid thing to bring up on the podcast like you know when um you know when people come up with the scenarios like what if you saw this image in like 2020 or like 2019 
and I was thinking of like <laughs> where me, C, and Chan are the top contenders of 82 and a half in the USAPL. And, and like, everyone's like, wait, what the fuck happened? Like, if you took a time machine and then from 2019 you went to 2021, you're like, wait, what is going on? Why is the USAPL at 82 and a half? And why are Angelo, Michael C., and David Chan the top contenders in 82 and a half? What happened? And just to see all the images too. Like, I was thinking of my image of me by the Pro Series thing. It's like, wait, what? What's this Pro Series thing? Is USA professional now? And then, like, this bizarro world and this time machine thing. It was a stupid thing to bring up on the podcast, but I just thought about that in my head. Like, I was thinking about this morning. Like, what would I do if I saw that image in 2020? And powerlifters. I'd be like, oh, my God. Did we make it? Is powerlifting on ESPN? That looks very ESPN-y. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that it. The, the pictures, who, who was the guy taking pictures uh, of all of you guys? Yeah, that What's his was, name? That he was, was fantastic. Yes, he he did a fantastic job the entire meet. Um, God, that, that I'm sorry, that picture of of me by the Pro Series thing, um, I I think I take the, the, the cake for best lifter, or the best pitcher of the meet. So uh, that's, that's Derek uh, uh, Chesley. Yeah, he did a great job. And yes, I agree. Right now, from what I've seen, you got the best best picture. Yeah, presenting for sure. to you the that, that one up there um, was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, I mean, again, the images, I think, do it justice to what we saw from the meet. It was something that uh, people wanted to see, and it lived up to the hype. Um, you know what, also, I remember what has to change as far as promotion goes. One, the promotion of the meet has to be better. Like, I think people should really take it upon themselves. I think on Two White Lights End, we did a very good job, but promotion of the meet has to be up there because what we saw, it wasn't the end result, and the end result was a super sleek professional design. But those pre-lift interviews, next Virginia Pro. Actually, fuck, let's do it for the Arnold. Press conference. Press conference. Q&As with all the lifters there. We tried to get Sabre to do it, but it was just way too last minute because I was there, Petrie was there, Jamar was there, Michael C. was there, Ash was there, and I was like, let's all try to do the Q&A at once. And people would tune into that. I know for a fact they would. And to hear us talk shit to each other, to you know, give us our time. We're all good friends, so it actually works. We have a chemistry. So... Yeah, that's something they got to do next year. And USAPL, try to make that happen. Pre-show was a win, but I think a pre-press conference uh, two days or two days before the meet or one day before the meet is actually two. Yeah, I would say two days before the meet would be. Yeah, the only issue there is if you can get all the people there two days before the meet, though, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Well, I mean, people who do it, do it, right? Like, you can't I, – I think – I think you got to work with what you have, you know, like the people who are there two days before the meet do it. And, you know, it'll, it'll be, it'll be something interesting there. And also like, hopefully there's some more powerlifting media, like during that time too, where people actually take it upon themselves to ask those questions. I had kind of an idea coming from this meet is like for USAPL, like, Saber in his meet and even USAPL when they do like the pro meets, like the Arnold and stuff for like the actual pros, not the other ones. My guess is 
the the lifter entry fees really don't cover that money that much expenses. Like it's actually not something that like gets them a ton of money in comparison to how much money they're giving out. What if lifter entry was free? You don't have to pay anything. You're a pro, which that kind of makes sense. But there's a media contract you have to sign. Yeah. That says you have to be at certain press conferences. You have to be at X. Like that is part of the agreement to doing this meet, which then they can get so-and-so sponsor to throw in X amount of money to sponsor the pre-meet press conference. And that's how they get their money for that is taken away from the lifter entry fees. But now the lifters have to sign contracts stating that they're open to that they are they are agreeing to certain media times and being available. Yeah, I like that. It's very funny though. In this sport, we are fighting for media time, and other sports are like, "Fuck the fact that we have to do media." <laughs> like they're, they're probably listening. It's like, all right, I guess they want to do this, but yeah, I mean that's where we're at. We yeah, I I I do actually enjoy that idea. I think maybe there will be a few lifters there who sign for it and they don't know what they're signing. And then something happens like, like how it always happens, right? Like you get called because we all, we all have jobs. Like that's, that's kind of the thing we, we either you get called into work or something or you can't take that day off. And then you've signed a contract. But you're, a, you're a professional. Doesn't that mean you don't have a job? Yeah. Yeah. We will go. With Isn't that, that what people are arguing that you can't be a professional if you have, you, you have I did, another job. And you... I, I did like that when they were trying to tell me. It's like, well, professional sports players get paid. I'm like, no fucking shit, Sherlock. Thank you for trying to tell me what a professional athlete does. Like, I actually needed an educational course on that. Um, yeah. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there one day where I could quit my other professional job and do professional powerlifting. But, uh, but yeah, I... Yeah, it's it's a, it's a funny thought to me, but I actually think in this circumstance now and how powerlifters are, just they will sign and be like, yeah, they're very similar to what powerlifters do. They make commitments to things two and a half months in advance, and then a month later, like, no, I'm not fucking doing that. Like, I something came up, I can't do it, I can't make it travel. Something, you know, just those unforeseen circumstances. Hell, we had that bought up, right? <laughs> you know what the roster was initially. Yeah. Which Yeah. Well, like I said, I I honestly, I mean, I we had some great lifters originally signed up, but I mean, I'm saying this in the nicest way. I don't think we really missed the people that dropped out because the meat was amazing anyways. It I mean, if if you needed to discredit the meat by saying people dropped out, you obviously didn't watch it. Yeah. Because it, it was plenty good regardless. Yeah, I appreciate the honesty and I like yeah, I saw that, and I'm just gonna say, like, I, you know what? I, I guess this will be the juicy rant that I'll get on as far as like the pro things go. But like when, uh, so Bryce Lewis made that story post, and I was just like, I appreciate the honesty, and he's a very honest guy, which is that's why I like Bryce. I disagreed with him because I just don't like when people take the piss out of something, and that's what I feel like it did. Like, why even bring up the original roster? The original roster has been shown that it wasn't going to happen like two months ago. So we already knew what the meet was going to be. And the roster is still stacked. And he's still, because he is an honest guy, went back and said, like, this was the most impressive thing I've ever seen in powerlifting. Or I think something along those lines. And he was entertained the entire time. So he is a guy who's just, inter- he he is honest. He He will give you his true observations. That's why I really do like him. And I'm very much the same way. 
Um, I just I, there was a circum there was a certain tone of discrediting though from other lifters uh, that I didn't like. Like the calling out of pro cards right now is something that's annoying me. Like this lifter got a pro card, really? What are these pro cards anyway? This is a joke. Like fuck you. Shut up. Like these I haven't, are good I haven't heard anyone. Every single person that's complained isn't strong enough to get a pro card. Uh, I disagree. There's Who's been strong enough to get a pro? Heather Connor. <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. Oh, she's just saying. Yeah. She just. I didn't even see her complain. I don't follow her. Yeah. But, well, she was on. Uh, she was on Twitter saying it, and I was like, "It's one thing to say that you're better than another lifter, which is fine, but saying someone isn't worthy of of like a pro card to me, I think is one a dick move and something that you're just taking the piss out of it because you're not a part of the thing anymore." And also, those lifters just got pro cards, and they probably felt really good about it, and so does their fans and people who admire them and their friends. And you're just like, oh, fuck you, like, the cool, like a gatekeeping cool kids club. I don't like that shit. It bothers me. I don't like it. And also, the product is still goddamn good because of what I saw at this meet. Like, are you going to say those lifters who are at that meet weren't pros? No, they were pros. They are pros at what they do. I understand they don't get paid yet full-time for what they do in powerlifting. But they're professionals in my eyes, goddammit. They're good. They're good. They are top 10 in their weight class, a lot of them. They're elites. If they go into any gym, they're probably better than most of the people at that gym. They are great at their craft. They're professionals at their craft, in my opinion. Don't, don't fucking knock them down. Try to, try, if you want to say you're better than pros, I'm all for that. I'm all for the arrogance. But don't try to discredit them. Fuck that. Yeah, there were, I mean, 2021 has been a down year for USAPL because of COVID and starting, trying to get membership back up and competing. And it's starting to, I mean, we, I don't know if you noticed the last couple of weeks, we're having like 10 to 12 meets a weekend. It's like yeah. insane with all the, the catch up happening. Yeah, There's been 10,475 people compete this year. I think like 80 something are pros. Yeah, it's. They're not, they're not getting handed out like candy. There's levels to this shit, too. That's what was annoying me. It's like when they see pro card, I think this idea is that you are the top, top lifter. You are the number one or two lifter, and that's who deserves pro cards. And that's not the case. If you watch any professional sport, there's pros who are better than other pros. There's pros who are light years better than other pros. There's pros. There's currently more NFL pros than there are powerlifting pros. Yeah, I, and I... Oh God! I mean, that's that's a little bit of a reach. Well, when you say bit, that, but... Well, but when you say that shit, people are like, "Well, the NFL is harder." Like, yeah, we know, dickhead. We're just trying to prove a point here that there's levels to being a professional. I, I'm comparing it to minor. Like, if you're a good local level lifter and you're dominating local level meets and you have a total, say, an 83 kilo weight class of 775, I think you're a pro. Are you better than other pros? No. You're like a minor leaguer who just got the call up to the bigs. It's up to you to be as good as the starting nine. It's up to you to get your playing time. It's up to you to improve. Improve your total to 800, then you're a true pro, and hell, in my opinion, you're like an all-star. You're, you're a guy who is, who's better than the field of pros. I mean, there's a lot of all-stars in baseball who don't end up being MVP. Actually, most of them don't. There's levels there's levels in the elites too. All-star all-star baseball players, the best players in the league, most of them don't win MVP. Derek Jeter never won MVP. 
He is a Hall of Famer. There was levels when he played. It's levels to everything. You play in the bigs for five years, you're not as good as for a big leaguer who played 15 years. That's how, that's how sports work. So, yeah. That's, and also, I, I know I have to tell powerlifters how sports work. Because sometimes they're clueless. It's not an anime. They don't get it. If I told, spoken in anime terms, maybe they'll understand. Or in cryptocurrency. <laughs> if I told them in cryptocurrency, they would get it. Yeah, being pro is like owning the most Bitcoin out of all your friends. I don't know. But, uh, being pro is like when uh, fucking Goku um, uh, fought... Fought Vegeta and Vegeta didn't wasn't as good as Goku. And and but Vegeta's great, right? He's a fantastic Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I think you're gonna get blamed because I don't think it's pronounced veg, Vegeta. I think, I think it's, it's a vegetable. Um, that's veggie changing topic now to get back on something I wanted to bring up that I think is a huge storyline here um, that I think a lot of people agree with. And some people on the untested side very much agree with this. Um, I don't know if people didn't wait cut for this meet because it was just kind of more like they were coming in. I don't want to say for fun, but it was more low pressure. They didn't want to cut or if they did that, knowing they get a better good lift score by not cutting. But I don't know very many people that cut for this meet. Most people just came in at their body weight. And that made for a significantly, significantly better coefficient score meet. We, we, we have these, all these storylines because all these lifters did fantastic versus the showdown. We try and hype it up with a preview show. And then we, I don't even think we did a recap show. Cause it, it, did we do a recap show? Yeah. Kinda. I think we did. We had to combine it with like, IPF worlds. Okay. Yes. Yes. But we couldn't even do it. Like it was almost hard to do a recap show. Cause what? Like three people had a good meet. It like yeah, everyone it else was, goes five for nine. It was and, a, like, yeah, it was a mess. It was because they try and cut 20 pounds. And then they all try, like you still try to be in the money there. And like the, the attempt selection is bad. And yeah, that was, that was one thing. I mean, I'm, of course there's a bias here, but I think this is the best meet of the year. I think as far as this, like, you know, what we saw, the storylines, the amount of the, the, the weight lifted and also just the records broken. Like, it was to me the best all around meet of the year. From start to finish, this meet was fantastic. The first flight had tons of great things. Those guys in the first flight, by the way, are also fantastic. Like those guys and girls in the first flight were really great to watch, and they were great lifters. To me, like that's that's the whole pro thing. Like I think those guys are guys and girls are pros. Like they are very good, and they're on a, some they're on a, they're on elite trajectory in the sport. So I think. They're kind of in that uh, that level of getting that call up, aside from Ray and Daniel Clemens, who are all but there. Um, they were fantastic, and I think that, and it's also a smaller meet too. That was one thing that helped it too. It was it was two flights, and that helped it. But yeah, you saw the you saw the big time lifters do the big time things. You saw them hit their lifts. You saw the battles like within it too that people were intrigued on. And you had multiple people that were tuning into where I think a lot of those meets, those big meets, you have like two or three people that you're really tuning into. Well, 
I'm going to, this is a, this is a double point one to stroke my ego and pat myself on the back, but two, just explain like how much people are the height. We talked about how, like we have these, I have all these projections written out. I have totals written out that we do for our recap show. I don't always say the totals. Um, I could go through these almost all of them were within like two to 3% of what the people actually hit. Like they were darn close, which one again, struck my own ego Oracle at play, but two, these totals are based off of what I think they can hit at their best. And they all were hitting it versus a lot of these other meets. We're doing these totals and like maybe two people actually hit what we project and the rest are going decently below it. The amount of people that actually hit what we considered to be their, their top end strength and like their perfect day was incredible. There were so many. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Like there was a lot of surprise performances and people, it, people did better than we thought like it was well people did better than i thought and that's rare to see at these big time meets like and this was kind of usapl's first like current and showdown right we never we, we never had those this was this was it like this is what actually what the usapl lifter has been fighting for for a very long time is something like what the untested side has. And I think it delivered and it was fantastic to watch. And I think all the meets are going to be something of a more professional version of that. And also I think the shop gym is the destination for any type of meet like that. Yeah. Because I don't think what people realize, and this might lead to another point. I know Angela, you want to talk about um, this isn't just Saber. This is the shop because they're the ones I think that have all the, the media production equipment, like the professional cameras. I think they have people on their team that literally do this for a living for them. Um, they have all this stuff and that's a big part of what makes this work. Um, I don't think Saber alone or the shop alone can make this happen in the same manner. It's, it's, this, it's this perfect combination of them coming together. He made a post about it, talking about the exact same thing today. Um, and I know you kind of want, I mean, one thing I know you're going to, well, I'll, I'll kind of, uh, bring it up is, uh, the live stream cost, um, and the entry cost. Um, one thing I think some people know, but others, a lot of others don't know is that is all set by the shop. That's not Saber, um, all live stream and all, uh, guest passes are all going to the shop and that's how they make their money. But I know some people um, didn't love the cost of them. It was $40, I believe, for a spectator pass. Yeah. Um, and it was $20 for the live stream. Um, coaching pass was a lot, too. Um, I, I'm not – I'm fine with that, though. Again, I mean, if, if I'm going to go to this kind of meet, I understand I'm going to pay. But I know that some people have differing opinions on that. Yeah, especially with the attendance. I think the ticket, the ticket sale was high. And, again, like you can't – if that's what they're charging, that's what they're charging. Like, and especially if it's something that's not within the USAPL where I could probably talk to them, I don't know if I could really talk to the gym because that's, that's how they make money. So it's hard. It's really hard to convince people otherwise, but I actually think that if they drop it down to $20, because it was a special meet and it was a spectacle to be, to be watched by a lot of people, but I think it would have bought more viewers into the meet, which that was, I think the one thing missing was just the overall attendance. And I think price had something to do with that. Like, I think a lot of lifters, one wanted to bring their friends and couldn't do it. Also, there were people, I'm not, I'm not joking here. There were fans of the sport who just came in 
I think they were from Virginia to watch the meet. Like I had a lifter come up to me and say that to my face, and I'm like, holy fuck, this this is a product here. He's like, it was well worth the three mile drive or three hour drive to watch you guys compete. And I'm like, I think a lot of people thought that. And if you charge the ticket price at twenty dollars, you can get more asses in seats, and that'll add to the atmosphere of the meet. And I actually think in return, make more money. I think if you get more people at the meet, you make more money uh, in the long run, even with those drop ticket prices. Um, the live stream, too, I'm okay with charging for a live stream, but just not $20. I'm not a fan. And that's where, so I'll touch, I'll touch on ticket prices first. One, they did have a cap on how many they sold. So it was an unlimited entry. So I don't, I don't know how close they were to the cap. I, I do believe, I definitely know, I, I, I've heard some people that were having a lot of people wanting to come out. And when they found out the ticket price, they didn't come. I think probably 20, 25 bucks would have been more reasonable for that. Um, but again, at the same time, like if they only have a certain amount of seats, like, and there's enough demand, I can understand the fact that they need to be able to kind of make their money back on, uh, I mean, because the fact of the matter is the shop had a lot of employees working this event. So they, they had to pay for that. Um, the live stream, I go one of two ways, either one, if you're going to charge for it because you need to make money, I thought $20 was completely fair for this meat. I thought because the production and the quality of the meat, I don't think $20 wasn't, is too much at all. I have no issue there. The only thing I would say is in the, uh, the aspect of trying to get this out for as many people as possible to watch. I still would usually prefer it to be free. And that's where a, a sponsor possibly paying for the live stream um, would help. I know that there were some issues with sponsors and some like things that they were wanting that weren't going to be, uh, that were going to take away from the meet. And so Sabre was kind of just kind of not really going the sponsor route. Um, I think that would be the best case scenario is if sponsors could pay for the live stream so they wouldn't have to charge for it. So again, we could just be able to get it out. But in the sense of like, I, I think it was, uh, I think for 20 bucks, that was worth it. Um, I, I don't, I would not complain about it being 20 bucks, but I would say it's either needs to be 20 or it needs to be zero, depending on what the, the priority is of what you want from that live stream. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, the live stream was definitely, uh, I think, I think the best I've seen and I really didn't get to see all of it, but it was the best I've seen. But I, uh, I, I guess I'm a little bit more forgiving the live stream costs, but I, I just, I don't know if I'm ever going to be okay at, at powerlifting being at this point with $20 live stream. Just, I don't know if I'm ever going to be at that point. Currently as it stands, I think, I think there can be a point where it's like a pay-per-view type of thing and people actually will be like, yeah, this is worth $20 to watch this. But I just don't think currently we're at that. I, I see that to an extent. Um, but I also think there could be a culture shift there. We're used to not paying for live streams. I, I, might, I might be wrong on this, but um, I know TSG, the shop, before powerlifting, they did really high production bodybuilding events. And I think we discussed on the show, there's just so much more money in bodybuilding. It, yeah. It's been yeah, in is. the culture that people just, people pay way more to go to bodybuilding shows. $40 to go to bodybuilding show isn't, is normal. Paying $300 as a competitor to compete at a bodybuilding show is normal. Paying for a live stream for a bodybuilding show is normal. So I, I think a lot of this comes from the fact that that's what they've been doing for a different sport. And for some reason, culture, the culture and powerlifting is not at that level. And I don't think it would be the worst thing, though, for it to be adopted to that. Because, again, if we want the sport to grow, there needs to be money. 
And I, I personally, I, probably two or three years ago, I would complain about live streams costing money. But knowing what has transpired and kind of being deeper into things this year and, and just talking about all these things, I think I'd be a hypocrite to say that like trying to make money and trying to uh, require payments to be able to do stuff um, to grow the sport is not warranted. I think I'd be a hypocrite to say that. Yeah, I would be too. But that's why I'm, that's why I'm still like, yeah, $10. <laughs> like if you just go down to $10, like I'm still happy about it. But I... I just know, I mean, I mean, when you hear it from other people, like, they're like, $20 is too much. And then you kind of go, like, is $10 okay? And like, yeah, maybe. Like, that's, I don't know, it's just kind of listening to the consumer of what they will pay. But I do agree with you. Like, I think a person like me who wants more money to be circulated in the sport, uh, you know, we have to charge for things if that's the case. And we have to you have to get that money. And I think we're at the, we're at the growing phase of it right now. And I think it's actually at a pretty good start because I do think that people, the, the majority of people were like, this meat looks really fucking cool. This meat is something that I, people are now interested in becoming a pro. Like they are inquiring about becoming a pro because they see something like this. Like this is a cool thing to compete at with these people. And, that is kind of the goal I was hoping for with the USAPL was just something that people will look at and be like, I want to get in the USAPL because of this. And I want to get into powerlifting because of this. It's not so much federational. It's more so more people are going to be in the sport because when the sport grows, it's going to be better for all of us. That's, that's the key thing here is the sport growing. I think one interesting thing, I mean, I'm not going to say this is a reason to charge, but it is interesting is, uh, I saw multiple people talking about watch parties. Yeah. That's kind of cool. I don't think that happens if it, that doesn't happen if it's free. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, that's why I'm like $10. I actually think you get watch parties at $10 too. I think that will possibly, Ooh, Ooh. I mean, I I get it. $10 is bad, but I don't know if, if, if you can buy a new pair of notorious lift slippers with a color scheme every single month, $20 for a live stream isn't too bad. Uh, yeah. You yeah. Use promo code, uh, and 15 on those notorious lift, uh, slippers as well. Proud sponsor two white lights, but um, yeah. And if you do, so if you use that code every month, you buy a new pair of slippers, you'll save enough money to get the live stream at the end of the year. Excellent. Yeah. That's, that's two birds with one stone on that one. Um, I will say though, I think that watch parties will still happen because I do know gyms that just put on the meats. And I remember, man, remember Sheffield. Remember when we were like that, we were hoping for that. Yeah. I was like, watch party would be perfect for that meat because that's like the best meat to do it on um and really now we're seeing like we're seeing like like i I wouldn't say mini sheffields because i think a lot of those lifters are actually actually think about it two sheffield lifters were at the virginia pro charles and ash from the original no ash wasn't on it never mind ray was Ray was, so two. Yeah, Ray was. So Ash wasn't on the original uh, Sheffield roster, but we're going to see I more mean, on, Sheffield. On the, oh, yeah. On the, the men's side, I would argue that this roster is more competitive than the Sheffield roster. Yeah. We're going good. I mean, at the time, I at don't the know. time of good lift score, if I was to take the good lift scores of the people in that meet, this meet was more competitive. Huh. I don't know. Gibbs, Russ, Atwood. 
Was Pana in there? No. No. Yeah. Ray, Oxfoco. Fuck. Yeah. I think it would be close. It would be very close. close. It would be close. But no, like, my point being, there's just going to be a lot of Sheffield-esque meets. Like, these are something that Sheffield was going to be. Now, I know Sheffield was... I am fully confident Sheffield is going to be incredible, and when it does happen, it's going to be incredible. But we're seeing more of those meets now, and that's actually good for the sport. We're seeing more super meets. We're seeing more compelling meets, too. And I think it's going to expand just the, like the national-type meets, too, where nationals is going to be of a better production value of nationals, and it's going to have that professional feel uh, coming this year. And I think that's the route you want powerlifting to go. And I think those watch parties still may happen with that. You know, like I, I still think that even if, even if you charge $10, I, I still think you have enough people interested in it. Like also, also like watch parties. I feel like it's just a lot of people at the gym working out and then the, the meat is on. I saw a few people like actually sitting down and watching, which is awesome. But Meets particular meets usually happen around times on Saturday. People lift, so they put it on. They call it a watch party, but it's really just the meet being on at the gym where it has TVs. Like corrupted, they were showing the pro. Um, I know uh, actually Surge had had a meet going, but I know Surge whenever there was a big meet on, they put it on uh, at the gym. So I think a lot of times they just kind of throw it on at the gym and people watch it. Yeah, that's true. I'm just, I mean, again, I'm just, I, I personally am okay with $20. I get the arguments against it. I'm personally okay with it because I'm, I'm okay with the fact that people need to start paying for things and powerlifting if they want it to grow because people are going to need money. There's going to have to be money put in for money to come out. Yeah, I agree. Well, unless you have anything to add, this has been a pretty long recap, which I fully anticipated that. No, that's all I've got. I think I covered everything I want to. All right. Well, fantastic. Um, Virginia Pro is done. This will probably bring us. Actually, this is a great way with this meet to end our year because I don't think we'll have another recap um, coming up. And also, we have a lot of end of the year stuff uh, trying to get planned. Uh, Maybe a little Two White Lights Twitch award show. Hopefully we can get that going. I don't know when we're going to do that. It's going to be hard with the holiday season, but we got to get that planned. Uh, do that actually live and give out awards on Twitch, and um, yeah, that'll be that'll be a pretty fun thing to do and try to create those awards as we go. And also with every meet, I do the coach client confidential with Joe Stanick. We have hopefully a really exciting in person interview coming up soon. Um, and I know the in-person interviews have gotten a lot of great feedback. So by the time we're done with that, that's probably going to bring us into 2022, which of course we got a lot planned for that year as well. Yeah. Yep. We, uh, we had, we had a pretty, well, we'll probably cover it more, but we had a pretty darn good 2021, I think. Yeah, we did. We had uh, 2021 has been definitely the best in two white lights history and, uh, we have you guys to thank for that, but we're not done with it yet. We're still going to wrap up the year pretty strong, and we'll see you guys soon. Peace.